Skipping a jump away from the MLB opening day. I'm hyped and I'm also new. What's up, everybody? It's Schmitty with another episode of Talking Schmidt. Today on the show from the Northwest trenches of cement building skate parks that you must skate. We got Shaggy. Dave Palmer is on the program. We're going to be using words like rebar, trowel. You'll hear names like Red, Hubbard, Burnside. There's going to be history. There's going to be his story. And there's going to be a lot of good information and stories. This intro goes out to all the bros that have, and the froze, the girls too, that have bought me. Actually, there are no girls on this list. Hey, girl, buy me a cup of coffee this week. Why don't you make your friend some coffee? You want to go get some coffee with me? Coffee beans. This goes out to everybody, though, that bought me a cup of coffee in the last week or bought one of our new stickers. Tim McKenney loves them. They're in gumball machines. They're the glittery, reflective kind, he says. Anyway, shout out to Sean Pantaleon. Shout Hector out. Hector Martinez. Shout Matt out. D at Deluxe SF. Shout in out. In my backyard. David Borboa. Shout out. Dalton Jones. Shout Kevin out. Kevin Van Osdell. Shout Mike out. Mike Turbane in the membrane. Shout out. Don't burn Ben Bridgers. Ben, thank you. Shout out. Uh, Gannon Gage. Shout out. Corey Obenor, big love. Shout Justin out. Justin Lewis. Shout out. Vulture Crew. Shout really out. Really appreciate you and that. Instagram photo with the little girl. Sweet. Uh, Dylan Soberthorne. Shout out. And Jones. Shout and out. as always, Hamin Ose. Shout Look, out. We're five days away from opening day. Friday at the ballpark, right down the street. It's the San Francisco Giants, my squad. And Cheryl and I were talking total wins for the season. She's got 101. And I've got 90. So it's on wax before the season starts. Let's see what happens. This week's challenge goes out to all of you. Everyone who is listening, tell someone you know that has never heard the podcast. Give them a link to your favorite episode and see if we can increase our audience. Because together, we're podcasting. Let's try to build the audience. Tell some people, send them links to your favorite one. What was your favorite one? I'd like to hear. You know, we've done what, 154 episodes? 169? Righto. Is that, is that real? You know, Indie 169. I don't know. We'll see. Rooney, see you soon. My good friend from Ignition, Brian Sieber, he is putting some new buttons in the mail tomorrow, sending my way. I'll have those as soon as I get them on the web store, along with those uh, reflective stickers that we just got. We also still have a few embroidered Scorpio shirts. Not sure what sizes and colors are left. There's a few long sleeve, a few gold short sleeve. And I think we're going to put some pocket tees up there as well uh, this Friday. 
anyhow, appreciate all y'all. Do what you can. And if you can't, then do what you can. Let's get it. Big week here in the Bay Area. A little secret that's not that secret, but you'll hear more about it next week. Peace to all y'all. And now let's pass the mic to my guest. Cheers. Hey, this is Shags, and you're uh, listening to us doing some talking Schmidt here. Holy cannoli. It's cool, like tonight is the night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big dog's in. Do we really want to be here? Oh, everything's changed. We on? Schmitty? Talking Schmidt. Talking Schmidt, dude. <laughs> You're going to come out different. <laughs> shit my pants. Wow. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. Holy shit. It's about the one. The one. The one. Who is this guy? He thinks he's tough shit. What's up? Come on, Schmitty. What the fuck? Tell the skateboard police to come get me. What is happening? I'm here for Greg Smith. Yeah! Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Body, I hope you're tuning in. Gut, where you at? My next guest has been laying cement for a while. I've known him for quite some years. A lot of people don't know this, but his name is Dave Palmer. Here we go. We got Shaggy. Hello, hello, hello. What's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can. Can you see me? I think so. All right. You look like you're going parachuting. I am. Fuck yes. Yeah. Well, I got sick of the tool bags, but I like my suspenders. This guy made them for me. So hmm. use those instead of the belt sometimes. Rad. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to make this happen. I like it. I like it. Third time's yeah. the charm. All right. Let's get down to it. <laughs> okay. How'd you become Shaggy? Oh, man. Well, I met Chris Livingston in a parking lot doing slappies, and he knew about a vert ramp. It's like a couple years older than me. So I went over to his house. You know, we like smoked out and listened to some Black Sabbath, went over to the ramp, and, uh, Nobody would let me skate because I was the young little grommet. And he thought, oh, fuck, you know, fuck these dudes. Just keep coming back every day until they let you. So I did. It took about a <laughs> And then Todd Rodkin, the owner of the ramp, called me shag. He's like doing the shaggy and zoinks, trying to make fun of me and stuff. Like from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, yeah. And I was super pissed. A couple whiskers. I was probably 12 years old. <laughs> and, uh. I was all pissed, but then I was like, oh, man, I've always wanted a nickname. And then uh, so the next day I wasn't pissed anymore. And here I am, like, what is it? Almost 40 years later, and I'm still shaggy. Damn, that thing stuck. Yeah, that name stuck for sure. So you were, were you born in Arizona? Where were you born? Yeah, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. And you were down there till when did you leave? Um, I still go back all the time, but I'd say I graduated in 1990 and I went on a road trip with 12 of my friends. We called ourselves the Meagers because we had no money. Went to Jeff Phillips Skate Park in Stone Edge. Mm. That happened to be the closest public skate or like concrete skate park. So we had to drive to Florida to skate at concrete skate park. And uh, I've been traveling since 1990 ever since. Wow. 
I feel like that is maybe when I met you, uh, we skated a pool in Pleasant Hill and I feel like it was 1991, but I'm not exactly sure. But I know that it was me, you, Phil Shaw, and Jeff Taylor. That sounds about right. And it was a really sick pool. I don't know if you remember it, but it was fucking really sick. Like you guys could do some shit. Fast plants were definitely happening. Uh, Phil was doing, you know, stale fishes and his whole deal. He did the behind the foot lean. Yeah. In the pool. Oh, dude, he was so good. Right. Yeah, that's who it was. I think it was a couple years later because half the crew, half the meters stayed in Florida. We stayed with Bruce Martin and they were like, this is the best place on earth. I love this. And I was like, and eh, same I scene, you know, so it was awesome. But I just had to see what else was out there. And then I ended up going up to the Northwest and doing a lot of traveling with Jeff Taylor. Uh, meeting you, Phil Shaw, Ruben Orkin and staying with those guys a lot around the city. Uh huh. So that was cool to get to experience that. And Phil was just such an amazing person. He had like vert ramp in his backyard. Yeah. Kind of the father figure to his, um, I think he had a brother and a sister. I can't remember. He had two brothers. Two brothers. Yeah. He was just such a stand up dude. I got to, he was a good uh, inspiration and for me back then. It was really cool. So have you kind of been just traveling around like ever since? Like you've pretty much been on the road like a lot, right? Yeah. So that was 1990. We did the meager trip and then went up and started going to the Northwest. That's where I'm at now. And uh, it just felt like home, home away from home. And who are, uh, who are some of the early guys that you met? Like Wes Lundry, like who are you meeting up North for the, who are the early guys you're meeting? Well, Phoenix was such a paradise to grow up in during the winters because everybody would come down to skate everything we had. We had so many vert ramps. We had so much good stuff to skate. So the Northwest crew was like the guys from Corvallis. Oh, yeah. All the guys from Seattle, Smiley and the Five, they were some of the first guys through. Um, But Redneck and Jeff Taylor came a lot and I ended up being really close with them before I came up and they both kept saying, you got to see what we got. So I moved up to Corvallis was my first spot. So you, have you seen Burnside yet at that time? Um, no, I hadn't even, they told me about it, but it didn't even sink in. I'm just, you know what I mean? We're, we're pouring concrete under this bridge. It's like, what is, what does that mean? What do you even say? You know? Yeah. Oh, so, it just went right over my head, but there was a ramp called Mount Avery in Corvallis. And there was like, maybe there was way over a dozen guys that showed up in Phoenix who all ripped. So I was like, man, I got to go check out the scene. And that's why I went up to the Northwest was Corvallis. I never lived in a small city before, small town. And it was just kind of culture shock. That's where you know? Jeff was living, right? Jeff Taylor. Yeah. yeah and it's, it with Jeff and uh, Smiley, all the guys from Seattle would come down on day trips. You know, it's like a five, six hour drive. They just do a day trip to skate the ramp. It was so good. Uh-huh. And, and uh, then, yeah, I'd stay with Taylor. And then Red made me ride on the back of his bike to Portland to show me Burnside. And that was that was 91. 
How did you meet Red in Corvallis? No, he would come to Phoenix. Oh, okay. And uh, they'd get us, they'd like get like 20 guys to come down and they'd rent a studio for the winter and they'd uh-huh. live one room studio. And I just loved them because it was like, usually you see the California guys come down with all the nice gear and just ripping super hard. Just like, okay, that's cool. But then these like thrusters would come down and be ripping just as hard. And like, all right, these are my people, man. I can relate, you know? Yeah. So. I remember going to Corvallis and I forgot, I wanted to say the guy's name squirrel, but it was something like a little animal. They called them like chipmunk or squirrel or something. And uh, they took us down. There's a river like right next to the ramp and they were catching uh, crawdads and they were putting them on the bar barbecue. And that was kind of my first experience with any of like, yeah, you know, later, of course, Peace Dome took it to a whole nother level. But uh, yeah, that was the first time kind of where we were like taking some stuff out of a river, putting it and and we were eating it. I don't know if it was the best thing for us, but you right. know. <laughs> it was food. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some experiences like that with those guys where we'd straight be using sticks to like you know, they catch some fish or something. We'd be using sticks as utensils, you know, uh-huh. they really did things in their own way, you know, a little more just their own way up here. And that's well, now you have Burnside for one. Right. And uh, what, what, what stage was, do you remember what stage Burnside was in when you got there? Like, was it? Yeah. There was two banks up against the wall and, uh, they just finished this bowl called the spider bowl. That's not there anymore. There was a piece of steel that ran right along the sidewalk. And then uh, you could ride on the sidewalk, make a turn, avoid the steel, and then go into this little spider bowl. I have footage of it. It was pretty cool, but it was just the two banks, the spider bowl, and maybe a quarter pipe where the uh, elbow was. Okay. You know? Yeah. So that was my first experience. And Red was getting pulled on his motorcycle. You know, somebody pull him on a motorcycle and he would do layback grinds up there and drop in. And I mean, it freaked me out. I got up to the top and I wouldn't even drop in back then. And I skated vert and everything. It was just so gnarly looking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, no. So did that at that time, did that kind of spark something with you and, and building stuff or does that come later? Well, that original trip when Red took me on the motorcycle from Corvallis, he like took me up there. I was already kind of sick. He ran me through the ringer. He like wanted to take a chew while we're on the bike. He's like, grab the handlebars. This is big gold wing. I'm a little kid. He grabbed the handlebars on the freeway. He goes to put it in. Like three laps over. We almost lay down the bike. He's like, God damn it, all mad at me. I was like, what am I doing with this guy, man? He's crazy. And uh, he, so he, he uh, took me down to Burnside and made me mix a wheelbarrow with him to pour a little deck. And I couldn't even get the shovel to turn over. It was so heavy back then, you know? Uh-huh. And, and then we you know, mixed it up, poured it on this deck and skated. He's like, okay, let's go finish it. And it was already gone. We're like scrubbing it. I'm like, what? is this stuff dude like (laughs) is this what you're trying to do you know i didn't get it at all and uh that was my very first experience with concrete and i built ramps and stuff but 
the concrete was the vision that those guys had because of Burnside. And where do you think that they like, they're all self-taught too, right? Like, or did red, like he, him and monk basically got together. The story goes right for Burnside the and kind of, no, if you've seen Dreamline or Grindland, <laughs> yeah, where it goes. No, uh, what I think happened was um, that there was the interest to make the spot, and they're like, let's do concrete so we don't have to tear it out. You know, like a, I kind of feel like um, ideas come from the universe, you know, like multiple people get it at the same time. Mm. They wanted to escape the pools in Phoenix, they had this idea that concrete was the shit, you know. And uh, to a lot of us back then, it seemed ridiculous, but they were right on point. And then once they did a couple banks at Burnside, Red got a job at a regular concrete company. Ah, okay. Monk wasn't really, I mean, he was involved from the stories I hear and stuff, but he tried to do Burnside style um, parks in Seattle with the crew up there. Uh Be involved maybe a little. But um, even though they're all on the same track and mindset, they were, you know, it was spread out. Uh, I'm, this is a question that's uh, been kind of on my mind since I've started getting a little more familiar with the stuff. Would you say a big difference between Red and Hubbard is the waterfall? No. Because it felt like there was parks that had like the waterfall and you'd be like, uh, and people would be like, that's either it was dreamland or ground. I'm not sure which one, but they'd be like, that's what he does. That's not what he does. And that kind of stuff. So the, the stories like uh, in a short answer, Mark Scott likes sharp hips and Mark Hubbard likes round hips. Oh, okay. And, and red wants to grind as far and fast as possible. And as I'm put, you know, I'm speaking for Red here, but I, I think I've, I've seen him skate for many years. He likes to do long 50-50s, long runs. Yeah. And, and Monk likes the concrete coping, you know, and Red, you know, that's how I kind of see it anyway. Okay. I mean, Lincoln City, yeah, you're just going Mach 400 and fucking yeah. <laughs> as far as you can go, you can go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Parks uh, used to do drawings before we were doing the parks. They're both marks. So mm. Red probably was too, but Monk what did them and they were very um, similar to what we started building when we started building. You know, he had this vision. The way I see it, Red kind of, you know, when we're all gone, I, I feel like there's going to be a story about all this and Red's going to be the skate god, you know, skate park god because he, to me, he had the vision first. There's parks before, you know, this round of parks, but he, he helped to push it, you know. Sure. I don't know how it was, but he just ended up in that spot. And then Monk followed along and just was just as passionate. And that's what where it split from into Dreamland and Grindline for the necessity of how many parks there were. Right. But uh Red Love, you know, Dreamland, it's the dream team. They had the seven or eight guys who just like, they're still, if you work with any one of those guys, they're just amazing. And if they're all together, I'm sure it's like a symphony, you know? Right. Okay. So when's the, 
when do you start working on parks? What's the first year that you like dive in? So I started and I think it was, well, I'd built wood parks and stuff, but uh, the first park I worked on was um, Vans East LA and I'd say 98. 98. Okay. Damn. I think so. Right around there. Who was the crew? Was that like a California skate thing or? I was Rick Cargi and he uh, took me under his wing along with a bunch of us. There was like a bunch of the guys in the industry now who are big timers. Tim Trudell, Ben Smith, uh, Chad Vaught was one of the oh, main. Sick. Uh, Matt Dyke. The crew was huge and it was cool. Who else was there? there was Aaron Devine, which is this old black label skater was kind of the foreman. Uh, I don't know whatever happened to him, but he was pretty good at coming up with new ways to do stuff. Do the, do the guys that are ripper, like if you get a ripper on the squad, that's maybe not the best builder. Does he get a pass or does he get more heckled? Mm, He kind of gets a pass. Yeah. It depends. If, If you're, it doesn't matter really. It's just how you fit in. Can you take a beating if we're all just like, are you going to be a whiner? Are you going to like just <laughs> through the day with everybody and do your part to help everybody? You know, you don't even have, that's how it is in my eyes. You know, you don't okay. have to be, you just have to be a contributor to the community. You know, how many dudes have came to work and never returned after the first day? Has that happened? That's probably happened. There was this one guy. There's, it doesn't happen often because we don't let too many people in just out of nowhere. Okay, you know? right. There's so, a little, uh, it's either word of mouth or you know them or something, right? Yeah, or, okay, come on and you can volunteer. And if they actually show up to volunteer, that's pretty passionate. They're going to usually stick around. Uh huh. There was a guy, I can't remember where he was from, but we were out in Texas and we built Spring Park, and that was the biggest park at the time in the, in the U.S. at least. It's like two acres. But uh, he was on the crew. There's like 20 people, and he's like, I can set forms. I can build stuff, whatever, man. And uh, we're like, okay. And he's like, well, how do I do it? And we're like, well, I thought you knew how to do it. So we just had him tie in rebar because we didn't have time to, like, teach him. And after a few days, he's like, dude, this is horrible. <laughs> Hits me and bunk down. He's like, this is horrible. And we're like, why? And he goes, I'm just living in this house with no furniture. I don't even have a shower curtain. I tied this rebar of dirt and grease all over me all day long. It's just horrible. And we're like, yeah, of course it is. Construction. <laughs> and he's like, well, I do, but this is just too much. And then Monk's like, well, you're going to have to put in your two weeks. And the guy's like, no, I'm leaving. He's like, oh, can't leave, man. Got to put in your two weeks. The dude was just stressed. It was so funny. He's like, why? Monk's like, For, so you'll have a good reference, you know? <laughs> the dude, it was friggin' hilarious. But that was the only guy I can remember who just couldn't really hang. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to do it. It's like a dream, you know, to build skate parks. Wow. Yeah, but it's it's big time work, man. I, I'm being shit. Be careful what you dream of. It might come yeah. true. 
<laughs> and usually like the squad isn't done when the job's over. Like it's usually like you're in a town and it's almost like a camping trip where it's like, who's picking up the brews We're barbecuing. Like it's kind of yeah. like, and so the next day, like sometimes you've slept well, but probably not. Right. Like, so like those, those yeah. days kind of just build on top of each other. By the end of the trip, you are burnt toast. There's a lot of emotion because everyone's passionate about it. Uh, the way I have worked in the past is with, uh, I like hearing everybody's ideas and stuff to, you know, I'm not like, I've been running jobs for a long time. My style isn't like, all right, I'm the general here. You know, I want <laughs> ideas and try them out. And if they failed, cool. We've learned what doesn't work, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but because of that, people get real passionate. They get some people get uh, like a big head, maybe a little egotistical. And, uh, you know, it's the same every time I can watch what's going to happen with everybody. You start the job, you're excited, you work and you're like, OK, this is gnarly. You get exhausted, you burn out right away. Then you finally have something to skate. You finally have like poured something. Everybody's stoked again, you know, and then that's when it starts getting fun. You know, and then by the end, it's like, oh, this is coming to an end. And everybody gets depressed. It's like, oh, you know, like not depressed, but like, what's my future hold? Because you're on the road. Yeah. Somewhere it's like, you know, and you just have to the people who survive it and do it for a long time. Are able to just be in the moment. Huh. Have you had experiences with different cities giving you completely different treatments like you got a Tony Hawk uh, treatment on like one town and the next one you got like a fuck off. Like you ain't getting shit. Like you get five yeah. star to one star, basically. You usually get treated pretty well from the skate community. Uh -huh. But some places are definitely better than others. Some people just like roll out the carpet for you. You know, like Texas has got a lot of really hospitable uh humans that have been really cool to us while building and it just depends you know totally. some end up somewhere i've been in san angelo texas and i didn't see a skater the whole time and it was just like they're like what are you doing here you know like yeah. not at, but you're doing something for the community so people pretty much give you a are pretty you know pretty nice and respectful okay when, after you did the uh, van thing, what comes up? What's next? Like how long till, how many parks did you do till you hooked up with the Northwest crew? I did about 12 parks with uh, Karji. Oh, you did? Yeah. And uh, so that was some good experience. And, you know, you jump, you jump back 10 years when Red and Monk were like, we're going to be building concrete skate parks. And we were like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> they started. And, you know, I was talking to him. I was still in contact with him. And then Red got the cover of America's gnarliest skate park, Lincoln City, you know. And I was just, like, so stoked for those guys. But never really thought I'd be, like, in the mix with them. And then uh, one day, Monk called me. I was in Orlando, Florida, working on a Vans park. And he's like, I did it, dude. I got my first park. Are you going to help me or what? And I was like, yeah, I'm helping you. I'm coming right now. You know, I was so stoked. And uh, there's just no looking back after that. And that was 2002, I think. 
Was that the West? Where is which one was that? That was Sumner, Sumner, Washington. That was his first his first park. Yeah, well, he did the big bowl and he worked on Lincoln City and all the dreamland parks that had, you know, Newburgh, Almsville, I think had all been built. Was the last one he did with Red uh, Orcas? Um, I wouldn't say that. That was the last one. That's where the true split happened with Grindline and Dreamland. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Me and uh, Rabbi and Jay Iding were building a bowl at Jeff Immense, the Pearl Jam guy out right. there. Okay. He's good dude. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, Jeff. Big shout out to Jeff. Hell yeah. He, he's a good contributor to the community. But uh, so we built a couple Grindline parks with Monk, but he wasn't necessarily split off of Dreamland. It could have still been one big thing, you know. Oh, and uh, that's kind of what he was hoping for. Maybe I don't know. But um, so they went to Orcus. We went to Jeff's. We we're setting it up. And I'm like, I need some of you guys to come out and help here. And he's like, Monk was like, you three get out here and help us on the bowl. And then we'll all go back. And so we pull up and uh, we drive, you know, from Montana to Orcas. And the first person pull into the parking lot of the park and the first person is red and he's right there. And I'm sitting shotgun. Rabbi's in the middle and Jay's driving or something. And uh, he comes up with that red, like quiet, just I could feel it from like 20 feet away. Like, oh, God, he's mad. Oh, no. Ah. What on? And he's like, what are you guys doing here? So Monk had never said nothing to him that we were going to show up. Oh. Jay and Rabbi didn't really know. They're like, oh, screw Monk. We're going to work for you, Red. Like, just joking. <laughs> just like, what the hell is going on, dude? He was tripping. And uh, so they went. So he gathered, Red called a meeting. And had everybody, like, come up right away. We just get out of the truck. And uh, he goes, you three stay here. And we had to sit at one side of the park while they went around the other side and discussed the big picture, I guess, you know. Uh huh. And now uh, they came back around and Red's like, all right, we've agreed that you can work on this park with us, but you're not dreamland. You know, you're, we have dreamland. And then so we're like, cool, that's you know, and he he's like, OK, yeah, we'll go do the Montana park with you guys, you know, and. Uh, that was like, then we all worked together and it was cool. And then Red had to go off to Europe. A bunch of us went back to Montana, did the bowl. And then the rest of his crew went to Europe to go do that cradle wherever it was. Um, Sweden or I don't know, you know, somewhere. Was that Malmo? I think it was before Malmo even. Oh, okay. It's all a blur. I've never yeah. been out for those parks, but uh, yeah. And then like Orcus got more money. Warren Willer, Miller, Warren Miller raised more money and we got to do the um, track on the outside of the bowl. Oh. And Fred and all of his guys were gone and we're just like, well, we're still here. And so we did that. And then we turned into like an official company after that so orcas was kind of okay how was that working with warren miller and being out there how long were you guys on orcas it seemed like a long time maybe six seven months 
it's it was one that. of my favorites just for the whole ambience and everything. I mean, you got the rock jumps, the killer campsite. You got to take the ferry to get there. And then the park is sick. It's kind of like to me when I skated Orcas, I was like, why isn't every park have trannies around the outside of it? Like, yeah. so you can just pump, you know, like Orcas well, is a good one. Hey, park designers. Why don't we have that? <laughs> I yeah. like it. I do, And it was just, you know, people ask me what my favorite job is and I don't have one, but that was a magical time. Uh. Being, your phone, no reception. Oh. with your homies that are just killing it you know we're staying in campers on the site we're eating like vikings every night just getting fresh seafood out of the ocean and just it was such a cool job wow and once we finished the bowl and kept building everybody started coming out there so we thought we were just disconnected from the world and then all of a sudden there's like you know maybe a hundred people a week sometimes came through everybody was coming through wow so that was really cool experience you know yeah that, i mean the first i'll never forget i'll never forget every time i've been there but the first time for sure is always just like i don't know for for me that one's really extra special obviously burnside but like orcas is like a whole different vibe for like like i said the ambience is just amazing i agree i I'm not too into the parks that have the jail fences in the middle of the city and, you know, public park. I like it really your environment that it's in for sure. Do you think like um, in the early stages, obviously there was a lot of parks being built in Washington and Oregon. Is that because you had worked with those states? I mean, obviously people live up there, so they want to make their area good. But was it just easier also to deal with those communities? Um, or is there any other reason besides living up there that, you know, there's 10 to one parks being built in those areas until later you branch out to Montana and other states? It was crazy. I don't know why that happened. It has it's back to the universe puts the idea on us. You know, it was like, boom, Burnside happened and it spread kind uh -huh. of. Okay. But when we... Okay, so we did Orcus, and then our first official Grindline Skate Parks LLC skate park was West Lynn in Oregon. Oh, wow. The second one was Trinidad, Colorado. The third was Nags Head, North Carolina, the farthest east you can go. Oh. The fourth was Edina, Minnesota, which is Minneapolis, and then back into Spokane. So we did, like... It was just up there. And then we did a full loop around the country. And then it just, we never, nobody ever stopped, you know, I'm not saying we were the first, but it kind of like. Right. I was always wondering too, if there's the thought process of like, you're in Seattle, you want to build them every four hours down the five, let's say like, or like your path to Colorado, like you want to build them. So like, you got a place to stop and camp. You got a place to stop and skate, spend the night, and then you're out to the next one. Yeah. Well, that was what was so fun about coming up here because you could do that. But I don't know the intention of how the intention was. I think the advocacy was a little more simple. The cities didn't worry about it so much. The, all the details are just like, cool, skate park, sure, throw one in. Mm. And like, as the skate parks grew. So does the whole 
infrastructure. And uh, I don't know. I think all that stuff just magically happened somehow, you know, it was cool. Here's some more magic for you. Oregon skate parks, nine out of 10, you turn right at a Dairy Queen to get there. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's like always directions. Turn left at the Dairy Queen or turn right at the Dairy Queen. I think this conversation happened a week ago when we were going to a skate park and past the Dairy Queen. Somebody said that too. It's yeah. Pretty- to land of convenience, man. I went over to Europe when I was young and uh, it was awesome. But what I learned most, first and foremost, is this is the land of convenience. What a great place America is, man. <laughs> you can uh-huh. get on any corner and the skate parks, everything. It's, so it's kind of plasticizes something, you know, so it's kind of weird in some ways, but it's, it's a good life here, I'd say. Fuck yeah. Was there some early initiations you had to deal with? I've seen it in different degrees where like the new guy has to like either buy beers for the crew or he gets punched a lot or he has to get the shit work or whatever. Like, was there some like stuff you had to deal with when you were green and kind of getting your, you know? Yeah, I'd I'd say so. I think I got in a a good time and got that Vans experience. So with Grindline, we were really small, you know, there's only a few of us and it was just cool. The only, I guess it was like Monk was big time dick to everybody in the beginning. I, I said, that wasn't Monk. That was skate park Mark. <laughs> he had a lot. He, he had his house riding on it. And it was this, this dream he had for so long. I saw him chase a guy off West Lynn, the contractor, because he built that giant bowl and the guy showed up big, tough gun. He's like, fill this in right now and build what's on this plans. And I was like, Oh God, this guy's going to kick our ass. Yeah. And like, you better fire me right now or get off this site. until I'm this project. Cause I didn't get into this to build this little thing here. I'm building <laughs> something that's going to change skateboarding. And like that day, that moment changed my um, outlook and capability of just dealing with people really. Uh-huh. I care about it enough. I need to be willing to take a beating for it or whatever, you know, just stand up for what you believe. The way he did it was just like, I've always been taught that with my parents and stuff, you know, but it was just so profound at that moment. Like we're yeah. doing not supposed to be doing, but it's for the better of things. So it's okay. You know, like, all right. All right. Fuck. Uh, Myrtle Creek, you, you were on that crew, right? Yeah, I, w- I ran that crew. That was a cool job. What's the deal? What's the story with that? Because I heard, I think it's that one where you guys went to do the park and somebody saw the pipe somewhere in town. And they're like, hey, let's bring those in and build around it. Yeah, but, but it wasn't really OK. You kind of snuck it in, maybe. Or what was it? Yep. That was a crazy one. That was really crazy because uh, the first day we were there, it was like a bowl in a little street course. And uh, we just scraped the sod or whatever. And some kid came by and we asked him where the skate spots were. He's so like, across town, there's these full pipes. So we went and skated them. And the next day, the city guy comes by and jokingly, pretty much, I was just like, that would be cool to have those over here. 
you know, in the park. And the guy's like, okay. And then he left. He came back and he's like, that's, I found out, you know, the next day he's like, I found out that's worth like 10 grand in scrap seal. And I was like, Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> Bottom. And I was like, Oh, he goes, yeah. So we got to get him over here. So it was like on the fly. Okay. We got three full pipes. What the hell are we going to do with these? <laughs> All right. And, uh, we just went for it and it was cool. It was a super fun experience. It's a sick park. We always stop at that one on the way up. Almost every time that that's one of the regulars we stop at. I love it too. I love, uh, it was a fun, it was a challenging park, you know, cause it's just like, we had to like just throw this, where are they going to sit? How are they going to sit? And made these curved footers. And then, uh, there are some funny stories. I heard some stories on your show, actually, of Josh Matlock. No. I think Josh had like six different stories all wrapped into one. <laughs> we were having fun times on that job. Uh, you got a good early dog boy story? Oh, I got a lot of dog boy stories. We did Great Falls. That was one of the first parks in uh, Montana. Uh-huh. And uh, we got pretty creative there. And him and me were out there alone, you know, just us for a while. And we stayed in this little trailer I had. And there was like 100 mile an hour winds. We built a little like deck off the trailer. And uh, we had a hotel room too. But we're like, man, this was supposed to be the storm tonight. Let's stay in the trailer, see what it's like. We stayed in there and we woke up in the morning. Didn't sleep much, but we woke up and... uh, the trailer's like 15 feet from the deck. The deck was staked into the ground. So we were like catching air, getting pushed around. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Then uh, also, same trip, we got pulled over. I was driving. They pulled me over. They didn't even come to me. They pulled out Dog Boy, and they thought they had somebody from America's Most Wanted. They were mistaken. They like ran him. They were like, we got this <laughs> dangerous guy, you know. Like little oh, man. man but he's innocent that's funny we said it before but uh dog boy is like the gnarliest looking dude and then you like meet him and he's like the nicest guy yeah he is he's he's a good dude man yeah i love dog boy one time the first time i met him was in seattle and he just jumped into our car because he heard we were going to orcas and he's like i'm going with you guys and he gets to the front seat and I'm getting onto the freeway. I'll never forget. We're getting like, you know, 65, whatever, getting on the freeway. And he just opens the front door, starts puking out the door. And Jehovah's in the back going like, whoa, it was so fucking rad. That was our one of our best trips ever, like staying with uh, Beth and Dondra and them and then camping with Cody boat and uh dog boy and Cranston and a bunch of people. But uh, that was, I think the first time we went to Orcas. Hell yeah. That sounds sick. Yeah. Super good. Family. That's pretty close, you know, with the, through all this skateboarding, it's cool. Who'd have thought, especially more so like, you know, hate to be the old guy that says when I was younger, but like back then it was like almost guaranteed that if you went somewhere and you skated, they were going to take you in. Like it was like, it wasn't so blown out like now, 
or you might meet a different style person or whatever. It was like, I remember we went to Seattle. I didn't know Wes Lundry. He's like, you can sleep right here. Like, you know, people are just like accommodating and like, oh, you're on the road, you're skating. And they were just hyped to have you. That's how it was. It's yeah. like, I remember when I was on the road, I'd look for somebody with vans on or something, you know, or you see the Ollie tear in their shoe. You're like, oh, all right, you skate. And you're like, yeah, what's up? I got Yeah. yeah. And that's and that- how I met most of the people I'm connected with still to this day is just people coming through Phoenix. You know, oh, you need a place to stay. You need food. What do you need? I got you, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening out there, Randy Colvin, me and you have been talking for too long. You got to let's do the podcast. man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he was one of my best friends for a long time there. You know, I love that kid. Yeah, he's so cool. Uh, I was going to ask, were you ever in the Chinook or ever? Did you ever see the Hubbard fucking uh, show where he he would go get a beer while he's driving or any of that kind of crap? Yeah, I saw all that stuff. I saw pretty much everything that could happen in the Chinook. I, I was there. We went in, we drove into a wall at like 60 miles an hour with about 12 of us in there, I think. Oh. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. He magically always could just walk away. There's that word again. Yeah. But, uh, you know. I wouldn't have said this when he was alive, but now that he's passed and looking back, he's a definite like wizard, you know, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. things that I've never seen anybody else do. I mean, that story he told, he told Jake on uh, Thrasher radio about like, I feel like it was either putting a brick on the gas pedal or something. And cause he needed a beer that was in the fridge and he was alone and he just went back to the fridge, got it, came back and the cars on oh. the freeway going like 55 or whatever. That five like this. Yeah. He would just put it in cruise control. Oh my God. Like back there, like try to time, you know, like see how far we could get. I just grabbed the wheel if I was with him, like, all right, a hot shot. <laughs> Is uh, the Houston one one of the bigger ones you've done? Yeah, the spring one. There's one downtown I did, uh-huh. and that, uh, that was a really big one. And then the spring Texas, which is north of Houston, is like two acres. And that was... Is that bigger than Louisville? Yeah, it's way bigger than Louisville. Oh. But uh, it's not as... There's supposed to be some park in Iowa now that's bigger, but... Uh, I bet you it isn't as sick as the spring one. I uh-huh. feel like really good there. Really? Yeah. What was that experience like working through like Texas summers must be super gnarly. Super gnarly. I think, man, I had the statistics on my phone from that job. I could have read them off if I wasn't talking to my phone now, but uh, I think 12 people overheated. Wow. The ironic thing was every one of them was from Houston. No. <laughs> The town pulled it. All the locals overheated. Uh, it was crazy. I think we poured like two thousand yards of concrete or something. Uh, just so I, I think I had a beer count. It's like hundreds and thousands of beers or something. It was it was a fun job. I wasn't drinking on that one, and uh, focused on work. My kids were really young. Uh, Ivan and Oliver. We're just young types. Now they're teenagers, but uh, 
so I was focused and it went really well. I was running a crew of from 15 to 25 people the whole time. Uh, okay. And we had like two and three houses at a time. And it was just, it was next level from anything I've built. Cause it was like, we had to pour every day for a year, basically. Uh-huh. So you have the concrete crew. <clears throat> you have your, I would set up with a couple people, you know, lay out the park. Where's it going to sit? Bam, bam, bam. Here's the bowl. Here's the sacred. And then we have the form guys and the dirt guys come through and do that and then rebar and then pour and then clean up behind them. And it was just like, just in a giant circle for a year. Cool experience. Uh, we've been doing these DIY projects with Camfoosh for Thrasher. Um, I wonder if you have any, uh, like, is there things you can cut corners on and things that you absolutely cannot, or is it best just to do everything as best you can? I mean, that's probably the obvious answer, but like, is there, is there like the finish you never want to use shitty concrete or, or, you know, just different things like, and then there's things that are like, well, you could do this or you could save a bunch and do it this way. You could cut. Okay. It's skating, right? If it's, I'd, I've been skating rocks and crap and like sand piles, whatever. So in that sense, you can cut any corner, anytime. Uh, what I've always taught everybody I hire is you can cut corners when you learn how to do it right. Uh. What, oh, don't do it. A, do as I say, not as I do, because I want you to do it. I want you to learn correctly. And then you can make the decision of, am I going to get away with this? You know, oh, that makes sense. Okay. But uh, I follow the rules is, is a good thing to do if you're less experienced, you know? Right. Um, what do you know about the word Ardex? I know a lot about Ardex. It's uh that's our best friend on this program. We've been like trying to get it to sponsor us. We're just like Ardex. Cool. It's a new, so it's a, I don't, I don't know what it would be called, but it's not a textile. It's a material, but it's new. Like most concrete cement materials, uh, you know, cement is an ingredient in concrete. It's, it's uh, not an entity of its own. It's just, mm -hmm. a, um, and most concrete products or, products that cement is in are old. There's nothing created new, but Ardex with all the chemicals they use and stuff is a new product that like will, you know, outlast and will be stronger and more flexible than others, other products. So it's cool. Yeah. yeah. We've been having Ardex a lot of sponsorship, man. I, I could be your spokesman. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's do this. We're, we got a couple, uh, you know, we got a couple uh, lures in the water, so to speak, but um, no, nothing bit yet, but we, it'd be amazing to get, you know, some type of thing where they're like, all right, we're going to drop off 50 bags. You're like, let's go. Yeah. Let's talk to them. If you, if you get a hold of those guys, if man, I got, I could, uh, I could do some consulting for you to get us into a good situation with them. Okay. 
I know I'm pretty sure that they're out of the town that Camfouche grew up in. Like they're somewhere back in outside of Pittsburgh, maybe, or somewhere by there. Allentown or something, probably. Yeah, maybe that's it. I'm not sure. Uh, what about um, St. Helena, California? Uh, me and Drahobel took these two young bucks up there for their first job. Sean Gutierrez and Ryan McWhorter, the yeah. bod. The bod, body in the gut. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah, man. I did. I tried to. I, I, tried I think to Snowman maybe was there. Yeah. Snowman, Danger. There was a lot of people. That was a fun job. Albina was on that one. What a sick park, like open container park, not the skate park, like the park that the skate park's in is open container, barbecue, bocce ball. It's in wine country. You're living that one. You're living kind of large. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Big time. We had a real nice house. Uh, We had a lot of fun at that one. Only one bar in the whole city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we're always, you know, people who work there and uh, it was a fun job. I tried to fire Peabody because I'm like, man, you can't throw away your skate career coming out here trying to do construction. And he's like, uh, he says to me, that's short lived. There, you know, that's that's just basically smoke and mirrors is what he said. You know, uh-huh. I want a job building stuff I want to build, learning a trade that I can use throughout my whole life. Smart kid. He really dove in full bore. It was uh, pretty impressive to watch. Like all of a sudden he's living in Copenhagen with danger and doing shit out there. And yeah, he was yeah. He, a perfect example of someone who's passionate about it. And uh, it's panning out for him. Now he's working for this superior concrete. And uh, he just got me a job. I'll be working for him starting next week. man. No way. <laughs> full we'll circle. Uh, I'm going to take over that crew. <laughs> Come in and be like, I got this. Passion, we've got him where he's at, man. He's a good dude. He stays up there in Seattle at the Hubbard compound. Uh-huh. He's like really played a great role in uh, picking up some missing pieces when needed to happen in the whole grind line world. Yeah, and he's also been pretty instrumental with the kids, helping like uh, P-Stone's kids and and Hubbard's kids as well, and just being like not a father really, but like an older brother maybe, or just being like a dude. At an older brother level. Right, yeah. Sick. Love. We got love for the bod. We need uh, the bods coming down, I think, next week. We got the P-Stone annual at Lower Bob's. Yeah. Uh, have you have you seen this documentary? Which one? Uh, the one on Thrasher. Yeah, Dream. Oh, uh, Grindland. I think I've seen it. I, I've watched it one time. How how? What did you think? It's a nice story. I don't know. It's very close to home. Yeah, was it emotional? Well, you know, a lot I of cried. People, oh yeah, dude, Mugs, my. <laughs> Friend. he's probably yours he's a lot of people's best friends but i really cared about that guy i still do family uh-huh. we all we all were like lost a leader you know and just a good good like person to have in your life you know yep and uh so the movie let's go on to the movie great um 
basis for a movie, the the new realm of skate parks. How did it happen? Uh, totally cool. And I, I just didn't like, I wish it would have not had the sad part with the mug, you know, like, and then mug done and then boom. It kind of the story, we got to make a movie. Let's take this podcast and turn it into like a movie production thing. What do you think? I'm down. I, I do that on my, this is my side job. The camera is my main job. Yeah, I know that. So I'm down. Yeah. It's such an intricate story that uh, to me, it seemed like they made it look like Red and Monk built Burnside. But there was like tons of very key players that were should be mentioned. And the way Grindline came about is a totally different story. Uh-huh. It was together. Once again, I think, you know, Red Skate Park God, like I said before, I'm super stoked for the credit that he's getting because he is the main dog on all that. And like, very happy to see that. Yeah. And super happy for him and his family and very deserving and accurate in that point is like that. That's what it was, the story about those guys, to me. Yeah. And then, like, that, you know, monks in his life, too, because they're best buds for sure. They had known each other forever. And uh, him losing his good buddy, you know, who helped him start all this stuff. So, in that way, the story is accurate. But there's, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that they did the best they could with what the – it was in a weird time because they're doing it like almost in real time. Like dude, it just passed too. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of yeah. like really a sensitive zone. It's so weird. All the loss we've had is just like, it just, it's not even real. Like I was claiming yeah. that we're in the Jim Carrey movie where like, it's not even what it's like, this is insane. There's no way like, come on, just open up the ceiling and let us know that like, Everybody finds somewhere. It's like, right, right. it's too much. Like you, after a while, you're like, fucking, are you believing what? Like, yeah, it's, and it, it goes beyond. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. I, I mean, I don't, we've talked about this before, not like to talk about it, but now that it's, it's, it's up. The editor of Thrasher, Peace Stone was like, to me, because I used to skate with P-Stone a lot when he was um, filming pools and stuff. Sure. Didn't change anything. He just went, you know, like the position kind of open for him at Thrasher. Mm. And he's just like, here's me. Not like, I'm going to fill in this. What you guys like. He's, it was like skating, pool skating got big when he started being in there. And just how much is, he covered a lot of ground with all his traveling and everything, but... Yeah, he had the art of bringing it on the road. And like, if somebody else just did pool skating, it would be like, okay, like San Mateo pools, whatever. But it's like, no, I'm in Sweden. Now I'm in Israel. Now I'm in New Zealand. And you're like, this guy is putting in miles. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, what I'm trying to say is the media that we see, he had such an influence on. Yeah. The way skating is, because it went from strictly vert skating in the strictly street skating in the 90s, and then the like mesh and meld. And then it was like 
watch a peace stone video. It's just like all the <laughs> videos we see today, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a huge, I mean, with between him and Jake, I mean, I think, it, you know, what's crazy is the guy that edited the documentary. I should have this in front of me because I don't want to botch it, but between Jake monk and peace stone, the same amount of days, it's some weird shit where it's like 132 days between the first and second guy. And then the same amount of days between the second and third guy. It, like I was like, I mean, you want to talk about wizardry and magic? Like, yeah, that was spooky. To, I was like, Oh, are you sure? He's yeah. like, yep. That's, that's making the hair stand up on the back. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, we all, we all, we all, like you said with uh, Hubbard, and and I just learned this kind of in the last few years. A lot of these guys were my best friend. I wasn't necessarily their best friend. You know what I mean? Like they had a lot of best friends. Yeah. Because they were fucking rad people. You know what I mean? And, 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 and you feel close to them and then you see like, holy shit, there's like 500,000 other people that feel that close to them too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what makes a leader you know and that's why those guys were leaders yeah it, it was just so weird like i hadn't seen p-stone in three years because he moved to sweden and stuff you know with this kid right, with the fam mm-hmm. he came back and it showed up at my house on a sunday where me and peabody lived and we had the best day we raged he cooked hell hell of food arm wrestling with them. I'm like, well, I can beat you in your leg wrestling and tried that. And he just, what we doing that? This gangster thug came down uh, who would try to bully us to drive him to drop off money or pick up drugs. And he's like, I need somebody's car. And P-Stone just jumps up and just in Spanish just starts talking to the guy, walking with his keys at him. Uh-huh. The guy's like, oh, no. Like, he picked up on this, you know, his aura was just so sick. No, I, and yeah. Best day, and all day he's like, I got that golden ticket, Shag. I got that golden ticket. He kept saying it. And uh, at the end of the day, I was like, What are you talking about, man? He goes, You told me I could come work for you whenever I want. I'm ready. Let's do this. And I was like, Holy shit. All right, let's do this. And then it was three days later, and just that's when that happened. Oh, that okay. Damn. Yeah, but so, like the best. Hadn't seen him forever. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time with him over my life. He's sure. Good, and then just the best time, and then he was just gone out of our lives, and it's just it was crazy. Yeah, I too. But just that one was weird, and then like yeah, the that fall- one was that one was super weird. Uh, for me, I don't think I've ever told this story, but. Uh, I went to work as I do every morning and I'm at Thrasher at like, you know, five to eight, around 8 a.m. And I check in my emails and there's an email from this person. I, I don't remember their name, but they're like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that um, Corey Kennedy, the pro skater, was in a car crash last night. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, are you sure? Yes, very sure. It's Vashon Island. Not a lot of people. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, and, and they wrote back, there was three other people in the car. 
and one of them is dead. I didn't know from 8 a.m. I knew Preston was with them. I didn't know till 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon who the, there was four people. I knew who the four people were, but I didn't know who the person that died was until, so like Tony Vitello walked into the office. We, the whole day we're like, it's not P-Stone. You know, he's got it. Like it's not him. And at like 2.33, Tony walked in and he just, you could see it on his face before he even said it all somber, like, it was Preston. I just remember like my whole, like probably the same with you with Hubbard. It was like my whole world was just like, uh, you know, you almost, it's almost so surreal that you're not even emotional instantly. You're just kind of shocked and like, nah, it's not now. I, feeling so well. I was told at the same exact time at 3.30 Peabody, I came, we were working in Issaquah and we came home. And he had got the news on the way home and he's sitting on the front steps. And he goes, guess who's not with us anymore. And then he told me and same exact. It's like, fuck. Yeah. Oh, right. And then like, I've been watching a lot of documentaries on the lockdown um, and learning a lot about human behavior and stuff and trying to like come to grips with grieving and all the different emotions that come with everything. And the thing that just keeps coming at me that I've really tried to like, you know, learn and grab is that like, it's, it's hard to say, but like, it's not a shame that they're gone. It's a blessing that they were here. You know, like we are so fucking privileged to have had what we had with them. And yeah. So like, that's why you're sad, but never forget all the time you did get to have because not everyone else did like there, you know, remember I try yeah. to that kind of stuff. And it's, it's hard to sometimes. Oh, absolutely. It's so hard. I, my life is shaped through the, those, the people we've lost, you know? Yeah. I have this saying, I don't know if I coined the term, but I'm going to claim I did. Life <laughs> is a living. Okay. My brother, Pat, brother passed away and well i don't think he wanted to be alive anymore now he's he's not so he's at rest and we're living so here we are so let's celebrate it and enjoy it and enjoy the time you had with them and celebrate that you know it's like yeah after i my brother was my first friend you know what i mean i was two when he was born so yep I parents and then there was my brother and yeah was, same with me yeah it was super cool to have to be an older brother. You know, I got to experience that and it, it taught me a lot of things. It taught me tons of things. So it was cool. The other good one too, is like, you're on the trip, right? And you're, let's just say, you know what you're like, you're going over, you're, you're fucking going through rivers over mountains. You're on this fucking journey. And you're with some people and some people are going to join along the way, but not everyone's going to get to the finish line with you. You know what I mean? Like, but you got to continue your journey and get to where yeah. you need to go. Yeah. Like all We're those all things are like, maybe it sounds a little cheesy or whatever, but it's just like things that really can help you when you're like, cause this shit will hit you like a ton of bricks and you won't be able to even think or function. And yeah. you need to have your tools ready to be able to like 
handle those things. You know, that there's certain guys that are going to take it from you when they leave, you know, like some guys you're going to miss a lot more than others. And the, the big inspirational people in your life and me and Peabody talk about it all the time. I mean, that's, I hate the fucking, I don't know why, but I hate, let's do it for the ones that aren't here. I hate that slogan for some reason. It just becomes insincere when everyone says it all the time in my mind. But what I do believe is that like, we do need to take what we learn from them and pass it on to people and keep that spirit. The same with Thrasher magazine. Like let's keep Thrasher Thrasher, you know, let's keep skateboarding, skateboarding. Let's keep skate park building, skate park building. Let's not let whoever comes in with money and ruin it. Like we have to fucking let them know what the deal is. Yeah. So the skate parks, we have a huge, like, thing to carry thrasher you guys over there have a huge thing to carry because of our losses but it's inspiring from what we've learned yep we've learned from and that's that's what inspired me to get to where i am you to get to where you are so that's what we do right yeah uh i do gotta talk about a little sunnier uh happier thing which is one of my favorite trips which is maui babe Maui, baby. Yeah. We come into Maui for two weeks, camping every night. And you and Hubbard, I think, was Smiley. T- I forget who. It was you and Hubbard and maybe five. Five, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Lion's house with the vert ramp and the bull on his. Oh, my God. Are you what kidding there? me? I could, like, let's go back to that exact week and then just call it permanent life and just. You're All in right. the ocean. You got killer food, beautiful weather. That park you guys built in Lahaina is epic. You got the one. What's the tent? Hana. Hana it's- on the side, man. That was even funner somehow. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it was epic. Yeah, what out there? I've I've built some more stuff since then, and every time it's just like, it's it's too incredibly beautiful. I love. Ooh. For me, Hawaii is the best. Like we just went there for our honeymoon and it was like after like I always say two days before I I register like, okay, I don't have to check email anymore because you're on this like work thing and you get to Hawaii and you don't get into island time instantly. I don't. And about the second day, you're like, okay, it's called relaxing and we do it like no other. And it's so good. You start off slow. They have a saying for work, show up late, talk story, leave early. Yeah. And eat lots of fresh fish. Fuck. Mm -hmm. Elegant food. I just spent some time at the, over on the big Island and that's each Island is a realm of its own, you know, and that one, I bet you that's where Island time originated. Cause I've went over there. I was supposed to be there three weeks and I ended up being there for, I think it was five months. That's where we went on our honeymoon. Oh, did you? Were you in Hilo or down south? No, we went to the north, Mauna Kea. To the volcano. Dude, we went to the, uh, what's it called? The um, It's the highest mountain island in the world. It's uh, where the telescopes and everything are. There's snow up uh, yeah. there. I think it's 14,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah, so we were at Mauna Kea at the um, resort, which is about an hour and a half from there. But it's oh. up up at, up in the north and whales breaching every day. Oh, it's probably so beautiful. Yeah, the big, uh, 
Where's the park you built? Is it by that airport, the old airport? Um, on that island, I, I built a, the Shred and Breakfast. It's called the Shred and Breakfast, and my buddy's got five acres. Whoa. Shout out to Dan at Oasis Skate Shop. We're doing some a private skate park there. Oh. He built uh, homes on trailers. It's got five acres, and we're going to put the trailers, and you can move them around on the path, you know? And I built a bowl there, and I'm going to go build a street course there pretty soon here. No way. Where is it by uh, Kona or Hilo? Or it's near Hilo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, and then he's up there, and uh, Chris Sen's out there doing tattoos with Adam yeah. and Matt too. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. Um, I've been working with them, with Dan and my buddy Jeremy Hale, who's uh, a mainlander now, and help me build parks sometimes, but, uh, working on a park in Hilo and it's finally going through, we got the design, we got some money and now we're raising money for the actual park and, uh, pretty excited about that. So you're kind of doing a little more freelance. Is that, is that right? Or you're doing like your own thing and not as much grind line. Pick and choosing with grind line. Um, it's still going. When Mark passed, I became the president um, due to like, there was, I just was able to be a leader for everybody. And like, I, I saw very clearly, we got to do this twice as hard, you know, not like some people were like, what, is it over? You know, I was like, no way, dude, it's, it's on. Right. Now it's, we have to do it now. Yeah. So that happened. And, um, just the way the skate park industry is growing and everything, the Olympics and everything. It's just, um, I tend to want to stick with more of the grassroots stuff. So like smaller jobs, I'll do pick and choose jobs that are more grassroots or I've been doing a lot of residential stuff, a little bit of renegade stuff, you know? Okay. I, for a lot, for a couple of years, I was just still doing the parks and the passion was fizzling. Like, oh, I, okay. you know, I, I don't know. It just, I just needed a change and this change has been awesome. And I might go right back into doing parks full time, but right now I'm just kind of doing whatever comes across my plate, you know, who's, uh, who's carrying it over there is rabbi still rabbi's the main dog, man. He's the only original guy left. Wow. Really? Yeah. Well, him, me, Jay, and Monk started it. You know, Monk started it, and we followed in suit, and uh, then Jay jumped off early. There's there's a lot of guys who have been doing it for a long time, but there's kids there. That I don't even know who they are, I bet. Ah. But the office is really um, just doing a lot of design, and it's, it's a business now. Okay. Where before, we were just building skate parks woo you know and it's created it turned itself into a business and uh the guys in the office are basically making the wheels turn oh so uh, okay cool. yeah hmm. the butter bowl so uh i don't know every once in a while i like to tell a story too you're you're the guest but i just want to you know we're talking so i want to share this we're with talking. you <laughs> uh you're it was the first time I went to Orcas Island and uh, we're coming back. We stopped at Beth and uh, 
Dondra's on the way in, picked up a few more crew. Like we had a crew and it got bigger, went to Orcas and then we came back. And before we went to uh, their house, cause we we're going to spend the night before we went further South, we go to the butter bowl and I got to buy a keg and bring the keg to the butter bowl because Preston did a blunt slide on a bet in the butter bowl. And so we got the keg, we brought it to butter bowl and then we took it back to their house and, and had the best night. Al Parton was there keg stands, like the whole deal with cranny and all them. Um, yeah. But one of the things I, I remember so vividly, the type of person that Preston was, was he and I got in the van and went to the liquor store to get the keg. And on the way to the liquor store, he looked at me. He's like, you told me your uncle's from Seattle. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you said there's a bar somewhere where they put a plaque for him when he died. And I was like, yeah, I've never been there. I don't know where it is. He's like, make a call. We're going, we're having a beer there. And I was like, dude, we're like, we got a whole crew waiting. Like, he's like, I don't give a shit. We're going to go. And he like made me do something that I really wanted to do, but didn't want to like, and I'll never forget that. That was so special to me. And like, just me and Preston went to this bar. We, I called my mom. She told me the address we got, we got there. I asked the bartender about him. He told me a story about my uncle, which is cool. And then me and Preston drank a pint right there at the plaque and, and so, Preston got to hear me talk about him and stuff. And then I took him to the liquor store and bought his keg. And I got the whole thing on video. I filmed him like side of the paper. He's like, and he carried the fucking thing by himself down that hill into the. Oh, cause he parked up top. Yeah. yeah, dude, dude was a beast, but like that was so special, man. It was like too special. Yeah. yeah he's, he's definitely missed, man. It was cool. The experiences I've had with him. Cause you know, buddy and Rick made the, fruit of the vine they came and stayed with me i was living in oceanside at the time for uh -huh. i think two or three maybe two months spent a lot of time together and so it was rhino preston rick and buddy and i would just drive them all around or they you know they'd had a van or whatever but i just got to spend so much time with them right so epic before anybody was really doing anything big time like they were you know they are now yeah so, yeah, it's cool. cool. Laying down the uh, groundwork for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, well, a good what's Rabbi doing? Is he at a park right now? Rabbi's been out in New York for seems like two years. We got a lot of stuff up in the Northeast. And uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's good. He's he's. You know, he's just a pillar in our community. It's, can't put it. <laughs> Way. He stands his ground. He's, he doesn't go to the board meetings very often or speak up much in that in that respect uh, when we have those. But on the day to day, he's the foot soldier. He's running it out there in the field for sure. Right. Yeah, that's so cool, man. He, so yeah. you, you and him are like the only OGs. Yeah, he's still full time. I'm, just like, I'll be back out there, Ravs, man. We'll, we'll hire me on in this next one. Maybe I'll come out <laughs> with you. <laughs> What's up with Snowman? Is he still around? Snowman's up in Seattle. He's doing good. 
we did an addition to South Park that um, park that Monk built with the four doorways that are north, south, east, and west. Uh huh. And uh, we did an addition around the outside. Just that was like six months ago or so. So uh-huh. right in the neighborhood. And then true or false danger moved to Copenhagen and married like the queen's daughter and was never seen again. I don't know who he married, but true went to Copenhagen. <clears throat> he fell in love with a chick out there. Right. And he never. still, he still lives there. Yeah. God Somewhere. damn it. I, I miss you danger. If you're listening, I, I fucking been too long, way too long. Yeah, you freak. <laughs> Danger, we were buddies. You just left me. <laughs> Last time I saw him was in Copenhagen, 2000, either 10 or 11. So it's I been know. like 11 years. Cool. He's doing good. Hell yeah. Uh, well, shit, is there uh, anything else that we should touch on? Man, let's see. From Phoenix. I never told you the story how I got into skateboarding. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, my parents gave me a board and stuff when I was like three. I have a picture of me riding down my driveway with my hands in the air. Was your brother doing it or no? My brothers. I have two brothers and uh, they both skated as well. Okay. And uh, but so I was interested in it, but it wasn't a thing. And then. uh the PAL video came out, you know, like the Bones Brigade Army or something like that. Yeah. And I was like probably 12 or so. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. Checking it out and kind of getting interested. Like, okay, this is a thing. You know, I, I think I like this. And it was started skating. Me and my buddy Kirk Duxbury stole a bunch of wood from a construction site across the street from my house. My dad caught us and, uh, it's like, oh shit, we're busted. <laughs> his dad, and I'm like, we're really busted. And they ended up building us a ramp. No way. Cool. Like, you know, if you guys like it that much, then let's let's do this. So we, they built us a six foot tall, eight foot wide vert ramp that we watched the video and learned airs and hand plants. We thought we ripped super hard. In your backyard? In my backyard, yeah. Sick. It was so sick. And then uh not only that, this is two parts. So, this, so we have this ramp. <coughs> we learned errors. I like John Gibson because he could grab behind the foot, and that's how I could do them. Ah. And uh, Jeff uh, Fedge had all his hand plants, so I was inspired by him too. And uh, then we go to this contest, and it's on a regular ramp, 10 feet tall or something, and it was a mountain. And all of a sudden, we were like, we thought we were like going to be pro any minute now. And like, oh, we suck. What are we doing? Yeah. You know, that was funny, but I was still very passionate about it. But this guy, Prairie Steen, was <clears throat> kind of the older bully in my neighborhood. He took acid, you know, when I was like 10, like, you think they're drinking real acid or something? I didn't know what. <laughs> but he says, uh, you know, you seen the pal video? Yeah, well, I know where a pool is, just like the pool in that video. You want to see it? And we're like, me and Kirk are like, yeah, we want to see it. So he takes us a couple blocks from my house, and it's apartment burnt down and thrown in the pool. You know, and uh, he's like, we're like, whoa, and it's just like gnarly. Like, what is this? He's like, get in and check it out. And we get in. He's like, you're not getting out until that's empty. 
and we're like, ah, it was the scariest time of my life. I'd never heard punk rock, really. And he was playing Black Flag, Dead Kennedys. Yeah. But he was there and they just, at first they weren't helping. And I thought we were going to die in that pit, you know? And uh, shit. And then I started realizing, wait, we're going to actually get to skate this thing, you know? So I went from like your darkest, scariest moment to, paradise motivated yeah like all i had to do is peel a little of the crust off oh this is gonna be killer and i that pool every day for like a year after that did you skate any of those pipes that like brian brandon talks about that were like i guess they were under the something maybe they were in the sewers or something yeah there's more where there's more lineal feet of full pipe than there is of interstate in the city. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. And it's a true thing. And it's like, it's his picture. He got the Thrasher cover skating him, and that's downtown. And uh, I've skated the same pipes in Mesa that's 30, 30 miles away, and they just go on forever. No way. My buddies, some of the meagers, went down there, and the cops went in, and they just took off and it said they said it took them five hours to get out they just kept going and going when they got they were on the news people are lost down in the pipes and the cops were lost down there said like helicopters and <laughs> all this shit <laughs> it was great busy report two cops <laughs> no like yeah a whole group of them they couldn't <laughs> find the cops for a while and uh you know, it was live news and they never found my buddies, of course. So my buddy Roland goes to get his Trans Am five days later and the cop and some plainclothes detectives grab him and took him in and like, what were you doing in there? You know, it's like skating. They're like, yeah, right. What were you doing? You know, that was way before the 9-11 and all that. So he yeah. was like, could have been way worse. 9-11 changed a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm kind of scared to go to like even glory hole, like by the dam, it just feels like things are a little different security wise, but people have been yeah. skating them. Don't be scared though, dude. We're not doing nothing wrong. Yeah, that's true. What about uh Thrasherland? Did you skate that? Many years I spent Thrasherland on the blues snake run and full pipe and stuff. Fuck. I went there the first time I went there. It was just like abandoned and like pieces of it. So you caught the variant. I probably skated there for 15 years. All the time. <laughs> Sick. We and the stickers for to, to skate. We give them like, all right, here's 10 stickers. That's 10 bucks. You know, you get a cool sticker collection. I remember that. And the wave pool, right? He had like a, Oh, Big Surf? That's another spot. Yeah, the the like McKenney had the cover doing like nose blunt. There's like stairs going down it. It's like got a wave on the wall behind it. Yeah, that's where this in the movie North Shore, the the surfer from Arizona, that's where he was surfing Big Surf. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I only picked yes. ice. But I'd go swimming there all the time when I was a kid. Huh. That's pretty funny. Do you, do you do you guys watch a lot of movies? Are you a movie buff? I wouldn't call myself a movie buff, but I, I get into them here and there. Why yeah. you got any suggestions? Well, I did just see Will Smith bitch slap Chris Rock last night at the Oscars, which I'm still 
is it was it real or was it staged? Here's the thing. It might have been staged, but I'm claiming it was real. And the reason I'm claiming it's real is because it's if it was staged, why the hell would you stage that? It's such a bad look, like for so many people. Yeah. It's it's not a good promotion by any means. It's like a dude that looks like his wife cheated on him and then aired the, their laundry and then he went full Kanye West. Like he's just kind of crazy a little bit, maybe dealing with some issues that we can't even judge. Like we don't know what's going on, but like the fact that you just got up out of your chair and like went up on stage and like smacked them. It, it looks, it looks like he, he open handed Chris Rock took it like a champ, which I think is why people think maybe it was fake because he didn't go down or nothing. Did he say like, anything afterwards? He he just perfect. He was a full pro. He was just like, oh, shit. I just got my I just got bitch. I just got the shit kicked out, slapped out of me by Will Smith. That was the best TV moment in TV history or something like that. <laughs> and he just went right into a scene like next up the documentary winner. Like, oh, was like cool. but it was kind of crazy. The reason I think people probably thought it was fixed too is where was security? Why did this dude get to win an award and then go up and give a speech after assaulting someone on national TV? Like, I don't it's know. Oh, they all have to be so egotistical. You know, they're like, they're yeah. all like, hey, me, look at me. Well, so. it's Holly weird getting weirder, but like some comedian made a good point, which was now you just opened up the door for like anybody to go up and attack a comedian. Like comedians are going to be like timid to be on stage. Like who's going to be the next Will Smith, you know? Right. So it's just the world has gone. As John Gibson told me, the world has gone upside down, batshit crazy. I think he's right, dude. There's something. There's some shifts. I think there's. You know, I'm not like. I don't claim to know. I'm not religious. I wouldn't say spiritual, but I'm, I'm just like there's there's stuff going around us all the time that we have no idea. Right. Yeah, I hope I don't lose you. Okay. And it's like, you know, with all our homies dying, that's just a perfect example. And and the way things are with COVID and the terrorism and all this. And yeah. How do you go from a pandemic right into a war? Like, it's just like, yeah. what, and then like, what's next? If you, if you let the stress eat you alive, it will. It's just like, you just have to be like, like a, Ducks ass to water. You just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Just find focus on your family, friends, your surrounding in the moment. You know, don't listen to too much news. That stuff's it's it's real and it's important. It's the industrial age crumbling is what's happening, you know? Yeah. But the way to make it through, in my opinion, is just stay in the moment and Stay the course, you know, Stay like you got to like know what you want to do and just keep doing it. And like I always tell like the younger kids, like, how did you how did you get your job? I was like, well, basically, it was the luckiest thing that ever happened to me. And I just held on to it like I'm I'm not the, the prototypical way to do this. But what I say to people is learn what you want to do early. What what do you love? And just keep going for that. Dude. And you can do it. 
Like if you know what you want to do and are driven, you can do it. That's the best advice you could ever give. Yeah. Just find what you like and do it. I have had most of us through skating, you know, who stuck with it and made some sort of a career somehow with it. The amount of miles we've clocked and the things we've seen, it's just from following what you like. You can do it with painting. You can do it with like being serving people, you know, like helping people, whatever. Anything. Yeah. You'll get your fullest life experience by just doing what you like. Sticking with it. Stay the course. Keep those wheels rolling. 110%. Uh, another shout out to Zach, who uh, played drums on the first Skate Rock tour with Grindline. I think they Zach. call him Zachama, huh? My dog, yep. I yes. love Zach. I have probably haven't seen him since that trip, but we had a fucking blast. I haven't seen him for a minute either, but he's doing good. He's in Zach Mize. <laughs> and he's always he's always a good vibe guy. Hell yeah. Super yeah. solid dude. That was a fun trip, man. We we went from uh Vegas to Seattle and we did Vegas and and Reno within three days. We did both those towns in three days. I mean, it was the wheels were off before we started. We were like the first night there was a car crash that went into the hotel room next to Jake where Jake was sleeping. So there's, I don't know if you've seen that classic photo where Jake's in his grungies at the door and the car's just in the fucking wall. But that was, that was the first night. And it set the stage because every skate rock trip after that was like some insanity would happen. Like these guys in Africa almost died. Like, crashing the van through a house like you yeah. know like everything there was always like hijinks and it was always like like jake and that's something i don't know how if hubbard told you a lot of details about this but i'm sure you guys have drank beers and talked about flipping the car yeah no i picked him up from the airport on his way back that because- i mean jake used to always, i've done 10 times and i'm still alive <laughs> like yeah you know, that's all the time too that's why the world's turned upside down like it says man these guys did it over and over and then what and then just stopped for some reason so there's was, was hubbard <laughs> shook from that when when you picked him up from the airport you hubbard, said hubbard never, he doesn't get shook very easy but i that's right? gotta shake you right that one that time was one time he was definitely shook uh-huh. he said that they were wearing priest out <laughs> yep and Buzenitz is in the back or something. Yeah, Jake will never. Well, he will now because he's gone, but he would never let Dennis. He's like, what's the first thing Dennis says after we crash the car? M- you broke my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right before I was getting pretty close to Jake because he was coming up and visiting the Hubbard family a bunch at the end there. Right. And we had some. We had this cool plan to try and uh, we were going to destroy capitalism. Oh. I was like, let's do it, dude. You know, I've kind of always like renegade like theories like that. Just being goofy or whatever, throwing things out there. And I told him, all right, Phelps, one day we're talking. I'm like, all right, I'm making you the general of the army that's going to destroy capitalism. And he goes, that's right. You are. You want to fucking know why? <laughs> Like what? And he goes, because I was born for this, motherfucker. You know? uh, I'm like, yep, you were, dude. And uh, 
So I'm like, well, now that you're the general, what are we going to do? We're going to blow up D.C.? I mean, the Capitol, how are we going to do this? He goes, no, we live in, uh, what do you say? He goes, we live in Babylon. This is Babylon. This is no hope here. We got to go to third world countries and we're going to do boards and bands. <laughs> no, bands. what do you call it? Buckets and bands, he called it. And he wants to go. He set up your generators, play music in a field. And build stuff. And anyone who walks by, you're just like, get over here, you know, like make them enjoy them it with you, teach them how to do it, and then at the end throw all the equipment and the tools in a pile and be like, All right, we're out. And then they have the skills to take care of themselves. It's a pretty good idea, man. Maybe we could pick that back up. Dude, he had so many good I miss that fucker. He would he was like, say what you want about him, but he, no one's ever fired me up more than he did. He would text me at like five in the morning every day and just be like, I'm, he's bombing fucking Dolores at like the crack of the sun. He's got like 4,000 ideas. He wants 15 edits done by yesterday. Like his mind was just going on full, oh like so much coffee, like, and then, uh, headed too that all he was remembered everything it was crazy yeah and that's what i was gonna say the slogans and the names that he would like beers bulls barney's just anything like straight out of it was just always like all right that's hell ride this is this like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't hard for him and he yeah he could remember everything but like i really miss like what I did learn is that it a lot of this stuff came from Motorhead and ACDC lyrics. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you can see where some of that influence is, but he had it like it was like, you know, like whatever, like Highway to Hell or whatever it was. It, but he in his version and you're just like, oh, you nailed it again. We yeah. were in Copenhagen and I was doing the edit and he's like, scorpions no one like you or whatever he just like knew yeah. this song he's like put it on it's done let's go yeah, it's like yeah i mean in those moments you always wished you had more time and you wished he had patience but now that he's gone you just miss that fire and inspiration and and like yeah. constant like no we're not done we're going we're going there's no rest we're going off more than anyone or, or and fire you up more than anyone it's just how he is yeah hey i've been getting some cool stories from uh i've been building some stuff at the trujillo families trujillo all right property. are you coming down yeah i'm just waiting on a little more steel to be bent and then i'm gonna come down i'm gonna try and make it by the ninth so we'll see oh cool yeah I'll definitely hit you up when I'm down there, though. Did you talk to him? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go up and uh, film if you guys, you guys going to do a pour or two, probably, huh? Yeah. Well, let, I'll let you know. I'll stay in contact. Man, he sent me photos of it. It looks super cool. Dude, it's cool. And it's like, it's Tony land. <clears throat> you know, it's different than what I'd think about building, you know? And you know, Waylon's just fired up. He's like already skating the part that's skatable. And he's yeah. just. They've been sending me videos. I'm like, all right, he does the rock and roll. I'm like, 360 rock and roll. So boom, he does it. Um, I should have told you this because it's not as easy of a question as I always, you know, but uh, I always like to end with a, a song. So like if there's something, you know, you could think about for a minute or something, but like we always put that on to end the, the show. Okay. I got to get better at telling people like, hey, 
think of a song because there's so many to choose from. But man, play you one, but might not be appropriate. But uh, I'll pick out like I'll come up with something like Grindline, the band Lonely Freak comes to mind. Okay, is, is that one of your favorite Grindline ones? Uh I didn't like any of them because it was like he was always playing them, and I we'd all joke around. Most of that stuff's written through just a bunch of us joking around, you know. And he writes down stuff and scratch out some what doesn't work. Colbertson pretty much wrote half the songs, the five. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Is he really good at that? Uh, but the minute he was gone. You know, it was like something to hold on to. And I just, I love, I don't listen to it all the time, but yeah, I really dig it. And so like, it's, each song is unto its own to me. I don't have a favorite or nothing. Yeah. But, uh, super... but Lonely, the cool song. I remember one time we were in Louisville and I'm, I've been playing music with Drunk Dom and the Roaches. Oh, cool. And uh, so that's been pretty fun, but he's telling me a story. And I remember I was there. We were wasted at this party at this ramp. We were skating, and Dom's like, "We should jam." And Monk's like, "No problem." And just threw open the cauldron, and there's all you know. He's ready to go, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Like you just set up a whole stage in like two minutes. It's like, all right. And he goes, "Let's play Lonely Freak." And like Hubbard tried to play it. And he's so wasted. He's like, "That's a hard one to play, man. Let's play Broken Bottles." You know. <laughs> so, so I always think of Lonely Freak these days. It's a good one. Hell yeah. Yeah. When we went on the tour, uh, on that ski rock tour, the first one by Ashland or maybe even sooner, probably, but the songs are just so like the whole crew was singing them. Like they knew every word, like by yeah. like the third or fourth show, you're just like broken bottles. <laughs> okay. I got one more monk story. We, after you passed, you know, we were, I was in Texas. And I was supposed to go home for the weekend to visit my kids. Mm. And that morning was a Friday. And that morning I got the news. And uh, it was like, you know, beyond devastating. We talked about all that. But uh, so we ended up hanging out. I stayed one more day and just raged with the crew. We set a fire in the yard. And I think that burned for three or four days or something like that. They kept it going. Um, I went home. <clears throat> And just dealt with everything we had I had to deal with. You know, like it seemed like I talked to or saw 50 people a day, like it's gonna be okay, hugs, and just like it was gnarly. I took a plane to go to um my buddy Cam's wedding to North Carolina. Well, I had a two-hour layover in Houston. So I get off the plane, I call my crew who I had told two weeks earlier about Mike, and they're like, fuck. They go, we'll pick you up. <clears throat> they pick me up at the airport, drive me to this bar that's just this full dive bar right off the airport. And uh, we go in there. We're pretty much the only ones there. And the girls who work there are all wild. But, they're, you know, we're, like, getting drunk, telling stories, just pounding beers real quick. And then somebody's like, let's put on broken bottles. And they gave them a phone to put it on. And they're like, you're going to kick us out right after this. We just want to – we just need to – Get this done, you know. And she turns it on. We all pound our Budweisers. It's like ten of us on the floor, just smash. The fucking lady walks. The bartender walks to the front door, shuts it, locks the deadbolt, 
goes back, puts a roundup for everybody, and fuck goes and sweeps up the mess. And she's oh, like, I guys all night. We end up partying there like so fucking cool. Oh, that's rad. Somebody that gets it. Yeah, she got it. We all got it. And we like needed that, you know, like just you know, it wasn't closure, but it's just like a sign that, you know, just a, you always need a sign. It's going to stay the course. It's going to be all right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, living, live it up. Yeah. And every day is a different day. Like what tomorrow could be harder than today and could be easier. Like you just got to keep it going. Yeah. That's what we used to joke about at the skate parks. It's like you can be something different every day. You don't have you, you don't have to be skate park construction jock. You can just be drunk poet guy or whatever. You know, you can <laughs> go to new places, total new realm. You know, nobody. We just like Monk would always be like a cop, put on his shades, just be like I'm a cop, like pretend he was a cop for half a job. Like, dude, yeah, he was cut from a different cloth. Man, I loved. My experience filming those guys build the park up at the dish in San Francisco and Jake's out there with the stop sign holding traffic and Noah's up there and, you know, gut, everybody was up there working on it. And then uh, Jake and, and Monk put a song together. They wrote a song for the edit and I was just like, yeah, like, that was for me. That was all time because it was in my, you know, San Francisco with those guys. And just like we had the crew, we had the tunes, we thought it out. And it was just super sick. Was, Monk was like, I didn't get to be around him nearly as much as all y'all. But like the times I did, it was obviously so special and amazing. Yeah. He, he just had that aura, dude. Whoever crossed his path, you know, he's in, inspiring. Yeah, for sure. Look, we're blessed to have a lot of people in our lives through skating that have that same capability. It's cool, man. Life Life's good. Enjoy it while it lasts. Absolutely. Well, uh, is there any other corrections we got to make? One and O with albino. Matt okay. Lockwood with the stories about how he got pushed in the puddle, but I got half the money for doing it. It was paid off. <laughs> okay. The other corrections. Let's see. Body is a good dude. All right. Where's That's Mr. Fun. Osage? Is he in Portland still? Osage. Osage is hated by a lot of people these days. He's struggling ah. with his daily life. I get along with him. I like him. He, uh, a lot of people think he's lost it and gone schizo because he just talks crazy, you know, like he's like, uh, goes and goes and goes. But I, whenever I see him, I jump in my truck. Oh, Sage, I go, we get, get him some hot chocolate or something. We cruise around and, uh, his stories are insane. It's like Jake's memory. He's like, uh, do you know how Falsto ended up at Thrasher? And I go, how? And he goes, from running away from where is he from? Not you know some country. Argentina. A, a freight, um, a boat, and ending up in the harbor in San Francisco. That's how it started, you know. And like I did my research, and he was somewhat. I'm not sure how correct, but that's kind of Pretty what close. happened. Close, right? Like Crazy. Boston, 
away from home and jumped on a, a boat. Mm. Something like that. It just So all of Osage's stories are right on point. He just is like, got some frustrations. He'll, he'll make it through one way or the other. Yeah, the guy who I thought would have, I don't know if I could contain him, but I don't even, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but Choppy Omega. <laughs> Showtime. <Yeah. laughs> He was a man. He might he might be in Hollywood right now for all the Oscars. <laughs> Don't know. He was a ripper though, dude. Dude, the shit he did at Burnside was like what? Yeah, yeah. Con- constantly, he could just do whatever. Yeah, dude. Pretty kind of, I don't know if he fell off or what. I haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a different scene down there, but it's just new generation. It's yeah. cool. I skate there all the time still. All right. Well, yeah, man. Um, let's let's uh let's do something. Let's get a let's make a let's make our own shit. Dude, let's do it. I'm totally down. I got I've been doing art, music, filming. I got a show. It's called uh Welcome Back YouTubers. I haven't released it yet, but I got about 30 episodes. <laughs> Pretty funny. Really? I think all I'm right. funny. I got a YouTube channel. Uh, do you? Yeah. How many followers you got? I don't know. I think between two and three thousand or something. It's YouTube's right. kind of YouTube's kind of hard. Like I don't really get YouTube as much. Like Instagram's yeah. kind of straightforward. Facebook is kind of more for my family. Like I just kind of yeah. let my mom know the good things I'm doing in life and just right. put it on there. And then, uh, but YouTube's like, it's man, a mis- it's a yeah, it's like, how come these guys that watch people playing video games have like a million views? I don't understand that. And then this kid told me, he's like, you watch kid, you watch people skateboard. And I was like, huh, that's how you look at it. Okay, trippy. But that's I was like, a- you're I am in front of a monitor playing on a monitor and I'm watching the monitor. You doing that on the monitor like yeah. there's too many <laughs> monitors, bro. <laughs> It freaks me out too. I've seen my kids do it and just like, really? But yeah. they, they, they grow with the uh, entertainer, you know, they develop kind of a relationship with them. Like, Oh, Spunky's going to do this or whatever the guy's name is, you know, but yeah, either let's either try to do a major takeover. Maybe we could play. Um, we'll play some metaverse video games. We'll just pretend we're playing video games and talk and shit. See if we get people to follow us on that. Maybe or something. I'm down for getting creative always in any time. If you want to chime back in, you're always welcome. If you want to start something new, I'm down to try like anything. Like I just, I do have like, I do have a little age on my side. So the, the, the fire doesn't burn as long, but when it's burning, I'm ready to go. <laughs> nice. Sure. Yeah. Strong fire when it's burning. Yeah. <laughs> just keep the Kindle nearby, you know? The Kindle comes oh, as, oh, as coffee oh, oh. beans. Yeah. Well, we could do a show. I got a couple shows I've done. Let's see. My newest one I'm working on, but I think I'm going to just cancel it. But uh, it's called I'm Having an Episode. Huh. And then, like, maybe Can- I'm out. Maybe I'm having a good time, but I just decided to start filming because I'm having an episode. Like, canceled you know. before it started. Yeah, canceled before it started. That, that could be my program. <laughs> And then the one that we could do something with that might be cool is um, Scrolls from the Road. 
which I started just from driving by myself across the country. And I just play people heavy metal and they'd be like, and go live on Instagram. They'd be like, what are you doing? Are you freaking out? And be like, no, what do you have to talk about? What's up? Ah, let's do it. I'm down. I want to, I want to try to dabble my feet. I want to get my feet wet in the live world. Like I've never, I've done Instagram live where it's pointed at the ground and I play like some songs. That's like as close to it as I'm, I'm like freaked out by it, but I want to like, I just want to, well, let's do it. Let's collaborate and try something. My favorite I've done live is uh, in Lake Elsinore. Our house was on a main street and they, and uh, they had a drunk, uh Oh, phone's dying. They had a, a drunk checkpoint. Yeah, there you are. Drunk checkpoint right in front of our house. So we played a show for everybody the whole night. And we had a song that would go, we're here to entertain you while they go through your car. (laughs) Yes. You you know, you're not going to get far. Whatever it was. I can't remember the lyrics, but it was hilarious. You could have played drunk, uh, too drunk. Or wait, what? Yeah. Drunk fuck. You can do that. Yeah, drink, 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 don't think, drive, kill, destroy. Black flag cover. <laughs> yeah, black, black. black cover for sure. Who's the best punk band of all time uh, for you? Um, I'm going to have to say the Terribles. That's my really? band. We're really bad. Okay. We're terrible, actually. But if I was to say an influence of another band, I just like to do things myself. Not even, we don't sound great. I hope none of you out there have to ever hear it. It's horrible, but uh, I like to do it. So I enjoy that. But we got, you know, Gigi Allen's pretty big time. There's no way. It's like, it's like skating. It's, it's too hard to judge one great man. What about Bad Brains versus Black Flag? you can't black <laughs> flag amazing also just like what has become that's horrible mike v flag for him that's that's all that matters but all right waylon or hank see that you can't compare waylon i'd way rather listen to waylon yeah me too it, hank's inspiration on the whole music and what hank two hank three <laughs> I tried to get Hank three on the show. I was like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> Would you do it? Yeah. All right. Fun. Screw Hank three then. Try to get <laughs> on the show, huh? Get Hank two. I'm down for anybody. Just. <laughs> All right. Best punk band in the world. N.W.A. Ooh. Yeah, we're we're really going to talk about that discussion. That's who I'd say. It's more punk than anybody. I would say, yeah, that's pretty pretty good. For me, it was always Public Enemy and NWA in those early uh, 80s. I do have a a Will Smith story, actually, speaking of the 80s rap. It's 1988. Your boy is at a rap concert in Oakland in 1988 with Run DMC, Public Enemy, and Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince come out and open the show. Some dude throws a bomb on stage and they run off the stage. And then the rest of the show, they're they're out. They're like, we're, we're over it. 
And then the rest of the show, well, I had to see Public Enemy and Run DMC with the lights on because of that. But like, I'll never forget. Like, people were like, "You guys suck!" Wow, <laughs> dude, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's my Will Smith in Oakland. They were so bad. Well, and then he got into acting. Now he's just into crazy. We didn't even talk about Genco, man. I want to get my Genco sponsor back. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. What's up with that? Oh well. That was this big takeover of corporate America from the inside. They, I got sponsored by them. I didn't want to be. It's like, I don't, I'm not interested. They paid me 500 bucks for an ad. They go, come on, let's do this. And I got to put together a team of like 15 heathens. I had like Sage and Neil Headings. Ooh. Donnie Dietrich. Who else was on there? Jimmy Moore. We just created the sick ass crew. And, uh, Traveled all around, gave Burnside money, gave Skatopia some money. And then we did the Christmas party. They put a ramp up and Run DMC played. And we skated at the Christmas party at, uh, where was that? The Hard Rock in Las Vegas. Really? It was sick. Run DMC played. Yeah, they played. That's and we them. skated, but it was dope. Fuck yeah. Is Jimmy doing all right? Is he in jail or what's Jimmy up yeah, to? Safe place. Yeah. I think he's safe in there. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a little while, but he'll be getting out sometime. He's mm. he's on his path. Damn, run! That's a pretty. That's a. I'm such a. What do they call those life hammers? Run DMC playing your Christmas party. Yeah, that's when you said that. That's reminded me about the whole gym. That was a funny one because it's like a pretty funny cup clothing rave company. You know, would you and, get budget to travel and stuff? <clears throat> yeah, we went all over. We went to Slam City two years. We went uh, uh, all over. We did whatever we wanted. We just bring it up, and it'd be like, "Okay, sounds great." Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, maybe they'll they want to fire it back up. Milo Reva, he was big time. You were bigger than Levi's for a while. Let's get this going again, man. Come on, let's do this. Yeah, right, where are you at? Hood River still. No, I was working at a buddy's. I'm in Portland now. Oh, you're back in Portland? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, shit, dude. Hopefully, god damn it, if the if the magical mystery tour can get me on the right star path, I will be in Portland this summer because it's been three years. I think um, I've flown once, which was my honeymoon, and since the pandemic started, so... I have not gone anywhere and I'm ready to go. I, I love Portland. I treat it as a second home. I, I like it up there a lot. Well, come by. I'll, I, I'm pretty hospitable. I'll take you out. We'll do something fun. Skate one of the 50. Yeah. Parks or can we find Rollins? Yeah, I know where Rollins is. <laughs> okay. Rollins, I'm coming for you, buddy. Yeah. He's a- <laughs> Olympia, we'll make him. We'll make him come down here. Okay, sick. Yeah, Joe Brook lives up there now. Bryce, like, there's a lot of a lot of friendly faces. Mickey's bar still going. Mickey owns like six bars. I don't know how many he owns. What's <laughs> up? Uh, we'll go. To, we'll go on a tour to all his bars. See if we can get kicked out of one of them or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks right. for thanks for chiming in, dude. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's good talking to you always, Smitty. Hopefully it's not too late to add a big thank you to Beer City Skateboards and Records. Thanks for keeping it punk rock and giving us support 
over the last 30 plus years. Jimbo Phillips has drawn up some more graphics for Davey Rogers, Scott Smiley, and myself. So be on the lookout. Also, to everybody I've worked with at Grindline, you've made it such a good time. So thank you so much for that. They say if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So job less, brothers and sisters. And one last thing, skateboarding. Thank you. Thank you, skateboarding, so much. Where would I be without you? All right, brother. When the stars align. Yeah, take care of yourself, man. Good seeing you. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Oh, and by the way, next week on the program, Danny Sargent. Tell a friend and tune in. Peace. Welcome and thank you tonight for everyone coming to the meeting. We understand that it's difficult to make time in your schedule to attend these things, and I would like to say we appreciate it, each and every one of you that come week after week. I think we've made some progress with our long-term attendance. We've really shown some growth and abilities to overcome this disease. Now, I'd like to introduce a new member. I want everyone to welcome him with open arms because we're going to have to help him through this most challenging point of all our lives. So without further ado, let's welcome Mark. I'm an old freak. I'm a freaking creep. And I'll do anything to get what I need. I hang out on the streets with people I meet. A horror movie falling apart in the seams I should be quarantined And put on quarantine Those places won't take me anymore I've been through those doors I'm 44 And I've been doing this since I was 13 So I'm one of those freaks Is he taking that leap? I am free It was me Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. 
Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at talkingschmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.